Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. We have a special guest here with us tonight, Dr. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, here to tell us if the Vikings can actually win the NFC North. Uh, so grab your Lake Monster beer and join us for what's bound to be an eventful show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I'm your host, Matt Anderson, and just like every other week, this show is sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. Like I mentioned in the pre-show, we are joined tonight, a long-awaited uh, you know, guest appearance by, by you, Eric. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time, and I'm, I'm finally glad that we could make it work. So how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a very eventful off season, um, and you know, as we set off air, like it's you know we're going to have a game tomorrow night. It's going to be fun, uh, and we have a whole month of August to sweat out, make sure that no one gets injured, and uh, we we you know sort of get to the the start of the season. But uh, I'm very excited for all the stuff we're doing at PFF, and obviously, uh, uh, really thrilled to join you guys tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I I guess I I. I, I knew there was a game tomorrow night, but I didn't realize it was tomorrow night. And it's the rate. I forget who the Raiders are playing, um, but I'll be the one one Kyle Sloter of, of Minnesota Vikings preseason fame. I think will will make a, a long awaited appearance uh, as the Jacksonville Jaguars second or third string quarterback. tomorrow. So <laughs> it, it should be fun. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Miles, uh, a permanent addition now to Vikings happy hour moving forward. Hello. Welcome. What up? How's the new house? How's the internet at the new house? It's good. It's good. All of it's good. Um, Eric, how much money do you have on tomorrow's game? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, I, it's maybe a couple hundred dollars, but that's just, you know, it, it's long awaited, folks. Like, it's long awaited. I, have, I sure. have probably a little bit more here on this New York Liberty game that's about to finish uh, here against <laughs> the Los Angeles Sparks. But, uh, but we, we multitask here. <laughs> for sure i love to hear it dave how are you uh on this wednesday evening i am doing good we are broadcasting live on the new beta version of ecamm and okay. i'm looking for bugs because i'm one of their testers and we have our first bug already with multiple you guys see it in the comments windows people normally broadcasting this won't because i only put up one comment at a time but Everything's going good so far. So just like Vikings training camp, sort of. Well, b- before we get into Vikings training camp, and thank you for the transition there, Dave. Um, I, I think by the, the main topic of tonight's show and in, in something that I want to talk to to you and, and Miles specifically, Eric, um, is because I think you guys give a very realistic approach to you know the arguments behind why you th- say things about the Vikings. So... I'll just throw a blanket statement out there, and we can take it wherever we want to. But, Eric, can the Vikings win the NFC North this season? Yeah, sure they can. I I think, um, you know, they're not the favorite by any stretch. Uh, I think they're, you know, depending upon the marketplace, you're looking around like, you know, 5-2 or something like that. So it's not a – they're not favorites. Um, Green Bay is the favorites and, you know, probably will be until – uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is gone, um, but, you know, Chicago's fading. Uh, I, I don't think 
that folks are going to see much out of the Chicago Bears this year. In fact, I think that you you can make an argument that they're not even trying to win uh, the, the the Chicago Bears. Uh, and then you look at Detroit. I, I've, I've been big on Detroit this offseason because I think, you know, they have a lot of stuff going for them. Um, they play hard for Dan Campbell. Uh, they have first round picks kind of everywhere and in very important positions like, you know, both tackles, center, um, you know, wide receiver, corner, <laughs> defensive end. Uh, they have a lot of, of players and a lot of high drafted players there. They have a coach who, you know, like I said, folks believe in. And they have a quarterback in Jared Goff who is not great. Um, but you look at their schedule, they don't play any games after 1 o'clock Eastern uh, this season, only play one game uh, that's not a Sunday game at, at, at 1 o'clock Eastern. So they have a decent schedule. So do the Vikings. And, you know, the Vikings, I think, are more talented at quarterback. They, they, they're high-end talent. The Justin Jeffersons of the world are as good as it gets. Um, but just like every season, it's going to depend upon whether or not they can stay healthy. The last good season they really had, like truly elite season, you know, they had all 11 starters start week one of 2017 and start the NFC Championship game. Uh, that is a far cry from what they've had the last few years and why they've struggled. So, sure, they can. I, I think that they're rightfully underdogs. I think they're basically a coin flip to make the playoffs. I think all of those market numbers are right. I'm not going to be betting against them this year, but – um, but I think expectations are maybe, uh, you know, right down the middle for them. And, and as such, if Green Bay falters and, and you don't see the lead from Detroit, uh, they, they could sit pretty in that division. Do you think the Packers, though, are like overhyped at this point? Because I think losing Devontae Adams for that wide receiver core is a lot bigger than than people are talking about. They think they think a guy like Watson or or, uh, you know, Alan Lazard can can just step in and replace that role. So I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that the Packers are going to be as good as everyone thinks they will be. Well, I think that, you know, you're seeing the, the Romeo do the Romeo dubs is now what, it, it, you know, I think we all got it wrong or Dobbs is, um, is emerging in camp. They get uh, Tanyan back at tight end, uh, a guy that, you know, they were going with Mercedes Lewis on a lot of the play action stuff last year. And you saw like in the tracking data that folks didn't really they they didn't they didn't slow play the run game against the Packers because the Packers didn't really have the the tight end to run a lot of good play action stuff with, um, you know offensive line they got Zach Tom from Wake Forest like they did do some reinforcements you look at that defense, you know they get Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt in the first round of the draft they get Jair Alexander probably one of the best corners in football back they get a, Adrian Amos is one of the best safeties if not the best safety in football in my opinion right, going right now. Devondre Campbell had a great year last year. Kenny Clark, as Vikes fans know, uh, is terrific. And and I think Rashawn Gary is a great bet to win Defensive Player of the Year. So I think on that side of the ball, the Packers are formidable. To your point on offense, like there's a lot of projection that you have to make. Miles, how about you? I, do you share the same opinion as, as Eric as it pertains to the Vikings? Are you a little more pessimistic, optimistic? Um, I, I would give this team a slightly better opportunity than what we've seen the last couple of years from the Vikings. You know, I'd probably put nine, 10 wins as like the ceiling. Um, I think, I think they could be a playoff team though. I think there's an opportunity there. I think as Eric's mentioned, the NFC is more wide open than it's ever been. Um, the Packers, the, the bears obviously tailing off the lions, who knows the Packers. I, I still think the Packers are the, are the best team in the NFC North until proven otherwise. I, I agree with you on the Devonta Adams thing, but obviously with, with Rogers on offense and they still have 
even with Bakhtiari still hurt, and even with uh, Elgin Jenkins hurt, they still do pretty well on the offensive line. Um, and then they have, you know, they still have like decent weapons. I don't know if Tanya will be back, but they have Aaron Jones. They have, um, uh, how am I drawing a blank on the running? AJ Dillon. Um, we'll see if the, the young receivers can do anything. I kind of hear Eric about this uh, a couple weeks ago when we had, uh, when grabbed dinner, but um, the Packers, unlike the Chiefs, both, we, we saw the Kansas City Chiefs, we saw the Packers, both teams trade their top end elite wide receivers for, you know, a lot of picks. Um, the difference between the Chiefs and the Packers, though, is the Chiefs decided to replace Tyreek Hill's production with but, uh, the draft and through free agency. They signed Marquez Veldes-Scantling. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster. They drafted Sky Moore. And then they obviously added more more um, talent to their defense to go with, you know, Patrick Mahomes on offense with um, Michael Hardman and, and Travis Kelsey still there. So um, the Packers, on the other hand, just relied mainly on, on the draft. Uh, Second-round pick in Christian Watson. And then uh, Romeo Dubs, I was kind of mentioned earlier, and then they signed Sammy Watkins for a cheap, you know, veteran deal. But um, and he's always a guy that that's hit or miss um, and can't really stay healthy. But um, I'm curious to see how the Packers' passing game does go because of that. Um, you'd like to see them make it for the Packers' sake, not for the Vikings' sake. I like what they did, but from 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 like a Packers side, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised they haven't decided to go out and add somebody, go see if they could trade for somebody. But um, Looks like they're relying heavily on Aaron Rodgers, which if Aaron Rodgers continues to play the way he has the couple last couple of years, he should help elevate um, those those receivers. So I still I would say and to go with an elite defense. So I'd still say that the Packers are probably the favorite, but the Vikings have a chance if the Packers offense can't really get things clicking. And the, the, and the Packers the schedule, by the way, doesn't do them a ton of favors, right? So the Vikings schedule. You know they 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 do have a road game in London, but that is a road game, so like that's more of a neutral site, which you know plays to their strengths. Um, the Packers go to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in a in a situation where um, in, in a situation where like you know I, if I'm the Vikings, I'd rather get Green Bay at home week one before any injuries have happened, before anything, before they you know. So I think that the the schedule shines more brightly on the Vikings than it does the Packers. You look at Green Bay right away. You go to Minnesota, which is a team you've lost to both the last two years. They go to Tampa Bay in week three. They're the Patriots at home. And then you look at, you know, sort of down the stretch, you know, there, you know, you have Rams, Dolphins could be pretty good, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys, Titans, Bills, like kind of in that last 10 weeks of the year. Plus you get Detroit twice in the last like 12 weeks, which again is one of those where, I think Detroit's going to be better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning. So, and there's also, you know, I'm counting here one, two, three, uh, four, you know, four. I, I, they, they have like five or six games that are not noon central. And, and so, again, like they just have a little bit harder of a road there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as one of the commenters said, Raymond said, you guys, I think you guys are too jaded. Uh, I think we're responding to evidence, which has been like what's happened the last. You know, bunch of years, but um, I do think that the thing sets up nicely for the Vikings. I I'd actually disagree with Miles on like the ceiling. Like I think their ceiling is 11, 12 wins. I just okay. I agree that their average is probably going to be around nine. I think I think in this case, like our simulation PFF makes it like eight point nine three or something silly like that. Um, you know, if you can find like a you can't on the market, but you could if you can find a flat eight and a half, I would bet over eight and a half wins if it was like minus one ten. 
um, at nine, you're probably losing money betting uh, either side of that just because the, the, the sports book is going to charge you a VIG. So I think I think that we finally, after all these years, because betters have really liked Minnesota because of, of Mike Zimmer and you know he did really good against the spread. He did really well with kind of weaker quarterbacks in Bridgewater and Keenum and so on. They really liked the Vikings, and I think preseason expectations were always too high for them. I think finally for the first time sort of in the Cousins era, the preseason expectations for the Vikings are very reasonable. And I, and, and, uh, I think that the market is finally caught up to who this team is, which is a team with you know flaws that can be really exposed, but also some high-end talent that if they string it all together, you could see months like you had in October of 2019, even with Cousins. Yeah, well, and, and to your point, Eric, earlier, the, the Vikings played the Packers week one, and I think that's a really good test for the Vikings early on because I would assume the Packers won't have their offense really established yet. You know, obviously young receivers, they won't have that connection with the Rodgers, I'd assume. So it'll be the Vikings might have a chance to, to, to win that one, not even just because, you know, I think the Vikings might be have a better chance to start fast than the Packers, but but more so because, because the, the Packers' offense might – um, might be reeling a little bit to start the season and need a little bit of time to to gel. On the flip side, though, the issue is like it could also be a bad thing for the Vikings in that like week one, you're most likely to get Sammy Watkins healthy, right? That's a guy right, on that right. team. Um, the Lizard. Romeo Dobbs might not be found out yet. So like, you know, a lot of these rookie receivers do better in the beginning of the year because, you know, no one has any tape on them. So there, there's both sides of it. But I also think like, if you're looking at Zadarius Smith and Danell Hunter, you're get, you're probably getting e- either a weaker Bakhtiari than normal or no Bakhtiari, which should serve the Vikings uh, in spades there. So, Yeah, for one sure. Yeah, was, we might see the Packers try to run the ball a lot week one, too. One thing I was going to ask you guys quick, and I, I, I know this is the one of the things when, when you hire an offensive coach, you don't lose that, that scheme year over year. But something that's not really talked about with the Packers is the fact that Nathaniel Hackett is gone. Um, and Rodgers and him were were really close from from everything that we've heard. Do you think that plays a factor into at least what you guys are talking about week one in trying to figure out how that works in a real game simulation with a new offensive coordinator um, where he had kind of like an experience with Nathaniel Hackett? Did they bring yeah, back? I think better, right? I think um, new coaches can be good or bad. I think in the case where the new coach ends up going to be a head coach, you almost always have to say there's going to be some reg- like negative regression um, because, you know, there's a reason he's becoming a head coach and that's because the results were great. Um, so, yeah, I think you do see a little bit of an issue there. Uh, it, it remains to be seen whether or not like that's actually going to have a positive effect on Denver, not to change the subject because Rogers took a year under Hackett in 2019 where I know their record was pretty good, but his like efficiency stats and everything weren't great. And so he had to really buy in, um, which to your point might mean that when he leaves, he's going to have to, it's going to take him more than just like one off season to buy into the next guy. I, I think LaFleur being the coach and the play caller like helps curb that issue um, significantly, but it's still, um, it, you know, it, with Rogers, Rogers is a weird dude, man. It's like, and <laughs> so you just never know what you're going to get. I think, uh, if you get the very, the, but at the same time, he's won 200 MVPs the last two years and the Vikings have beaten them twice. So, um, you know, I, I still think they match up well. I, I, like I said, I think it's a great 
um, you know, get for them to get the Packers week one at home. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be a big test as Miles said, I think if they come out and they win that game, people are going to change their opinion of the Vikings very quickly. Uh, if they come out and lose that game, then you, you look at this, this schedule that they have and you go to Philadelphia and, you know, I think that that game, you know, is going to be really tough for the Vikings because Philadelphia is really good at the line of scrimmage and the Vikings aren't, but, um, and then you get Detroit, who's a team that like, they're only going to be about five point favorites in that game. So it, it like I said, that, it, like Miles said, that's a huge game in week one against the Packers. You know, and, and Matt, to that point, to kind of what yeah. Eric was saying about the Packers, the Packers, the Vikings also are, have a brand new coaching staff too. So, it, you know, the Packers have a change at OC, but their head coach is the same and he's the one calling the plays. So you probably shouldn't see too much of a disconnect between, between what they're doing. I would assume that Rodgers and, and LaFleur are still building off of what they've been doing. Just to, obviously not Nathaniel Hackett as the, as a traditional OC, it's just uh, someone new, but the Vikings obviously have someone, uh, a whole new uh, scheme and, and coaching staff. So, um, but I will say the difference between Kirk Cousins and, and Aaron Rodgers uh, that that shades Kirk is Kirk has more flexibility and whoever his OC is, he's still going to be Kirk Cousins. Obviously Aaron Rodgers at his elite level is, is Aaron Rodgers, but like Aaron doesn't, Kirk doesn't get in his head the way that Aaron does when it comes to those types of relationships because Kirk's very much the business business first. So I'll give him an edge on that in that you probably won't see too much of a difference in how Kirk plays, but you might see a slight difference with, with Rogers just because he is that type to, to get in his head about things. Here, here's yeah. a question that I have though, because I agree with you. I think that Kirk, I mean, Kirk's been like sixth in the NFL and wins above replacement since he joined the Vikings. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he started almost every game. And, you know, war is an accumulation stat, but it's still a very impressive feat for him. Um, you know, I think that the issue is, you know, at this point in time, and, and you know, it's not Kirk's fault, the, you know, the sort of order in, uh, that all this has happened in. But I think other than – I think he's like, you know, in the top, what, half a dozen quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of age this year. Um, are we – so and and again, I'm always the person oh, yeah. who's like looking okay. looking to make a case, you know, necessarily against. I'm not, you know, look. I don't have any bets on the Vikings this year, other than I have Kevin O'Connell to win Coach of the Year. Like I think that's a great bet. I also don't have that many bets against the Vikings. Uh, you know, be just because again, I think that they could be really good. But you always have to like look at reasons why that this this could go bad, this could go poorly. And you know, so Tom Brady turns 45 today. Um, ben Roethlisberger retired, so he would have been 40. Aaron Rodgers turns 39 this year. Matt Ryan turns 37. Stafford, Cousins, Tannehill, Wilson are all 33, right? All 33 years old. You know, Joe Flacco is like only 36. We think of him as being old, but that thing sort of like fell off the table, you know, in the early 30s. Um are we – is that the leak here? And because, you know, when, when we look at the history of the Vikings with Cousins, it never has been one thing. It's always been like, you know, early on, he never got along with Filippo, and the offense was kind of ass, and then, you know, that didn't work. And then 2019 it was, you know, they actually played pretty well, but the schedule was kind of weak, so they weren't prepared to beat the 49ers in the playoffs. And then the last two years it was always like the defense because – 
of the investment they had to make in the quarterback and to support him and everything. The defense is really brittle. They got injured. And then, you know, even though Kirk played very well, the team couldn't win. Now, you, and, and coaching, I think, got worse down the stretch, uh, obviously with Zimmer and, and, and so on. Now you come in and, and theoretically, I think Kwesi Adapomensa, you know, very smart guy, uh, you know, had a very, I think, deliberate plan this year. Um, you know, Kevin O'Connell, you know, could be very good. We don't know. It's another new play caller for Cousins. You know, some of these things, and then the defense, I think that they've done a better job, like drafting a guy like Andrew Booth was a very good move. Uh, you know, Harrison Phillips is a good addition and, and things like that. But is the next leak the fact that Kirk Cousins' best years are behind him as far as age is concerned? Because I think everybody believes the thing is just going to be linear. But I mean, you're talking about a 34 year old, 34 year old quarterback who, to your point, Miles, I mean, I think he's a very good businessman and he's a very good quarterback, but he's not Tom Brady obsessed with, with the game of football. So when this thing falls off, it might just be one of those where he's like, okay, I'm moving on to something else. I will so say, just, just because, I'll, I'll, Matt, Matt I'll, I'll let you go ahead. It was just a quick curiosity question. Have there been quarterbacks that have like started to peak around this time? Like, it's very hard. I mean, um, I have to look back and put Smith and KC. Yeah, I mean, with, with Alex Matt, Smith, Matt, Matt Ryan, maybe. I mean, but Matt Matt Ryan started falling off. I mean, you look at that's so what I mean. that's what, that's Alex what I mean. Smith. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Alex Smith broke his. Le- I mean, Alex Smith's really bad broken leg was his year his age 34 season. He he led the league in um, passer rating at age 33. Um, you know, so even him, kind of a, as we think of Alex Smith as a late bloomer, I mean, he really topped off at age 33. You look at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan won MVP at age 31. You know, he, you know, his last few years, I think he's been a good quarterback, but not a, like his, you know, let's look at just like, you know, passer ratings, not the best statistic, but we all know the scale. Like his year 33 season, he had a 108.1 pass rating. His year 34 season, he had a, 92.1 that so he dropped 16 points and he's basically been around that low 90s passer rating league average or so the last like three years um again like i'm not i'm not here to say like i think cousins is gonna fall off the cliff i think a lot of people are saying okay you have all these things where o'connell's gonna come in he's gonna be great and, and i think that that's a reasonable gamble the offensive line is better and they've done more to try to put players on the interior although it looks like garrett Garrett Bradbury's being thrown around like a rag doll again. Um, but the offensive line has more to it than it has, I think, in the past. And the, and the two tackles, I think, are going to be very good for this team. Wide receiver, you have one, you have the best player in football other than the quarterbacks, in my opinion, and Jefferson, a wide receiver. And, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, and Cousins has gotten better the last few years, which is actually absolutely true. And then they're saying, okay, and then this is very like, you know, the whole thing of like everything that's great is going to stay great. All the things that were shitty, we're going to we're going to fix. And then inevitably, some of the things that were great, they, they fall back down to earth. That That's the concern that you have to have if you're a bull on the Vikings this year. So you, you, you bring me to, to one of my topics, I guess, for tonight. And that is your biggest concern for the Vikings this this upcoming season. Uh, I think a lot of people will point to depth behind you know Irv Smith and we've already kind of seen that transpire here in 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 training camp uh cornerback depth as well I mean 
maybe not depth is the right word, but just trying to figure out who, which one of those guys is going to step up. If it's, if it's Dantzler, if it's Booth, if it's Chandon Sullivan, uh, who's brought over from the Packers, is it the O line again? So miles, I'll let you take this one first, but what is your biggest concern kind of heading into this, this season? Um, cause I, cause I do feel like fans are optimistic and it's valid. They should be. Um, I think we need to look at this through through a different lens. I mean, I, I think it's kind of a combination of everything. The Vikings are, again, like they have in the last couple of years, they're a top-heavy roster. I think Kwesi did his best to add depth and, and you know, some some added depth and talent and youth to the to the rosters to help backfill and, and, and provide future opportunities for guys um, the best he could. I mean, he wasn't really given that much. Uh, Rick, Rick had kind of tried to go all in, pseudo go all in the last couple of years. So as Kwesi came into a tough situation cap wise and roster wise, but I think he did a, a good enough job, at least to keep them competitive this year, which, which is clear that that's what the Wilfs and, the, and ownership wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I think you, you combination of top heavy roster, mm-hmm. lack of overall depth and then new coaching staff. I mean, as I, I want to give Kevin O'Connell all the benefits of the doubt. And, and I think long-term he's going to be a good coach and I, he, hopefully we see it year one, but there's going to be growing pains offensively and defensively. And yes, we're going to see a lot of really good things from this team. But I also think we got to also understand that there are going to be things that, that we, we saw previously from, you know, from the last couple of years for the Vikings that we're going to, they're going to sneak back up this year too, because it's, a, it's overall like the same team. They're switching some things up. And hopefully, situationally, they can be better. But overall, it's a very similar team. So I'm not going to act shocked if we see some similar results, you know, this year as we did the last couple of years. Not even because I don't think O'Connell's a good fit, um, but I think just because of the overall roster and what they are. I mean, unless you unless you can truly improve some of those situational um, outcomes, like you know, at end of halves, end of games, those types of things. Obviously, I think the defense is going to improve in some of those areas. Do I think it's going to be drastic? Probably not. Um, and that's where I think for me, I think that's why I say like nine, 10 wins is where I think this team could be just because I think they have talent, but they need people to stay healthy and they need, they need Kevin O'Connell to be, and I should say at Donatel as well. They need those guys to be above average at what they do. Yeah. I think, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. I actually think like this year, the secondary isn't going to be great, but they at least have numbers to throw at the problem in a way that they didn't yeah. last year, the last few years, right? More, so more youth, you have three more corners, youth, more depth. Yep. More youth. I, I mean, look, Cam Bynum, if, if he ends up being a good player, like then they're in a really good spot because they have three safeties and you know they can they can be creative there because I'm gonna get to my biggest issue, which is I think they have very little depth in the front seven and On you know sides. I actually went back and looked at the numbers because my hypothesis was that Daniil Hunter who I think a lot of Vikings fans believe is uh, you know on par in the history of the franchise with guys like Chris Dolman and and Jared Allen and you know the really truly great pass rushers of the last you know you know 50 50 years or so of Vikings history but up until recently, Daniil Hunter was very much a different football player when Everson Griffin wasn't on the field. When you looked at Everson Griffin, uh, the on-off splits with Hunter, Hunter was far more effective when Griffin was on the field with him. And so, you know, I think like 
and this is just a little bit of a, pra- a praise for Everson Griffin. I think Everson Griffin was the superstar on that defense. And I think Danell Hunter, if you look at like, and I've done some of this research, you could look at the MIT Sloan uh, stuff where I've looked at like get off rates and stuff like that. And Danell Hunter is very much a, he gets off the ball, not necessarily as fast as some of the elite pass rushers. He does a great job of cleaning up stuff, but you need another defensive end on the field to push the quarterback into you to get those kind of sacks. So all this is to say is the Vikings right now have two edge players who I think are good number two edge players, like elite elite number two edge players in Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter. Then they have a bunch of guys. I know DJ Wanham had eight sacks last year, but you look at the pressure rates and it was basically a very hollow eight sacks. If either one of those guys get hurt, I think they're screwed as a defense as far as being able to rush the passer. That That's a really big issue for me. Um, you know, against the run, you know, Tomlinson and, and, and Phillips should be okay. Um, but the linebacker position was also one where Eric Kendricks was really bad last year. I mean, he got washed up a lot in the run game. He was okay in coverage, but he got, I mean, he got eliminated a lot. I think moving to a 3-4 defense you know, on base downs because you only play that the sort of base like a quarter to a third of the time will help because he doesn't have to, you know, sort of cover as much ground and stuff. But, you know, you're looking at a guy like Jordan Hicks who, you know, he's been up and down in his career, had very good years in Philly. Like 16 was a really good year for him. Last year was a pretty good year. But he's also played so poorly at times during his career that the team like the Arizona Cardinals drafted his replacement two years in a row, right? So, so... And then, you know, all this is to say, even if Kendricks and Hicks do well, if either one gets hurt, then who that who's playing that second position for him? They've always sort of had struggles there with the guys like like Troy Dye and, and you know, uh, Surratt and guys like that. So yeah, I think the secondary is going to be better this year. To me, if this, the, the front seven has to be effective and it has to stay healthy, and there are a couple of things going against that. Namely, you know, the injury, you know, the, the age of guys like Kendricks, the injury history of guys like Zadari Smith and, and Daniil Hunter. Uh, that, that, that's my main concern uh, is whether they can do that. Do you feel like they upgraded, though? Like, so, so obviously Anthony Barr is gone and um, Michael Pierce is gone and in comes Harrison Phillips and, and Jordan Hicks. Do you feel like they upgraded at those spots? I, I, Michael Pierce was pretty damn good last year. Um, so I don't. You know, Phillips is a nice football player, so I'm not going to say that they downgraded. But Pierce was a pretty good football player when he played last year. Um, Anthony Barr didn't play a lot, but I think we're going to look back at Anthony Barr's career. And, you know, I think we at PFF are maybe culprits here where, you know, his PFF grade oscillated a lot because linebacker play is super dependent upon whether or not you're healthy and, and whether teams target you and stuff. And I think Anthony Barr was a far better linebacker than people gave him credit for. And he did, he was so versatile in ways that like, I think it took us a while to see um, as Vikings fans and observers. Um, I think he's going to be a lot to replace. Now, I think this new scheme is going to require less of Jordan Hicks than um, Mike Zimmer required of Anthony Barr. So in that way, they might be able to upgrade. But then if they require less of the inside linebacker, that means they're going to require more uh, of the interior guys. And I mean, you're talking about, you know, their, their first interior defensive lineman off the bench is Armand Watts, who like, we're, we're still unsure if that's an NFL player. So that that's kind of where I, I get a little bit worried. I do think they, they, 
They at least were laterally moving in some places, but upgrade maybe would be a little bit too far for me. Okay. I think that, I think that's fair. I mean, I think what some of the concerns that I have at least in, and this will kind of bring me to one of the, the rookies I want to talk about, but um, it's just the, and you brought it up too, but the age of some of these the defensive players. I mean, when you talk about Patrick Peterson, you talk about Harrison Smith, you talk about Eric Kendricks, like these guys are getting up there. And, and we, we kind of talked about it with Kirk too, how it's not just going to be a linear progression of their career. Like they are bound to fall off eventually. And so, you know, I, I think when we, when we sit here and we look, especially on the, on the Vikings defensive side of the ball, I'm really concerned with those key vets they're counting on um in in being sure you know can they even hold up in a season um what were you gonna say miles well i was just gonna touch on that i think the one thing i'm i'm impressed by quasi this offseason is he focused on trying to add some of that future depth and guys that he knew weren't going to be able to play right away but guys that they hope they can develop and hopefully take over some of those let's continue depth or even taking over some of the starters roles like you know obviously with with booth uh, Andrew Booth, you know, obviously there's been good reviews to start camp. Hopefully that continues to progress and in, into the season and into the future so that, you know, you have him and hopefully um, Dantzler can be the two outside guys, you know, um, at Caleb Evans too. He's, he was a fourth round pick that they spent, they, they spent a future fourth to make sure that they got him too. So, you know, you're hoping that those guys in the secondary can, can be re- long-term, you know, your guys long-term. And then obviously with seen, and then you got Bynum, you know, hopefully, those guys can be the replacements for Harrison Smith down the road. So they what they did they did I thought Quazy did a good job on the defensive end, at least trying to address some of those positions that Rick didn't always do because Rick was so focused on the now. And so I think that's part of the like competitive rebuild that Quazy talked about is adding some of those guys. Even I'm not saying I like the pick or even the person, but the Ed Ingram pick, I thought that was too early, but like they, they brought in a Chris Reed, they brought in a Jesse Davis, but they still said we need to improve the interior of the offensive line. So they drafted an Ed Ingram. Again, I'm not, I don't like the pick, especially that early, but, you know, I understand what they're trying to do in terms of like getting guys now and, and for the future, um, especially since they are such a top heavy roster. They need, they need young guys to step in and, and take over some of these positions that expensive guys have. And so you hope like a, a Patrick Peterson, you hope Andrew Booth and, and Dantzler can be those guys long-term. You know, you hope uh, Ed Ingram and, and Ezra Cleveland can be your guards long-term. You know, those types of things that I was impressed that um, that uh, Kwesi did this offseason. We've, we've talked about that before, two miles, um, at least with the past regime and, and their inability to almost look ahead. Um, they always kind of drafted for the now because they, they were literally always putting their chips in the middle to try and, try and win right. now. Well, once, um, they, once they signed Kirk, they kind of put themselves in that position. And I think a new regime kind of got a little bit of that. They, they, the new regime obviously had to re up with a lot of the older, older vets and bring a lot of those guys back, but they also got a little bit more leeway and time to start developing guys and bringing guys in and along slower than what the older regime did too. So I think there's a little bit of that like positive regression. I think that we've talked about that we should see from some of these older guys, but hopefully again, some of these younger guys that they brought in can be the, the future. Yeah, for sure. You uh, you both have m- mentioned Andrew Booth on on more than one occasion tonight, and so I just want to touch on him quick. Um, he's getting some rave reviews out of out of training camp here. Uh, people are saying that he's he's super aggressive, he's confident, um, and, and his play is sort of backing that up. Now, 
I know it's training camp. I know the pads just recently went on, but Eric, I'll, I'll turn it to you first. What is what is like a reasonable expectation for a guy like Andrew Booth or or even Lewis Seen for that matter? I know he's still kind of playing with the twos, but um, what I guess what could be deemed as a success for Andrew Booth or or, or Lewis Seen this upcoming year? I mean, for Booth, you really just want to see him healthy. I mean, he he didn't even play a thousand snaps at Clemson in three years. Uh, he topped out last year at you know five hundred seventy eight. He was very productive, though. I mean, there were a bunch of games where he barely gave up anything uh, in coverage. In fact, uh, he had four games where he gave up one yard or less in coverage, uh, which is just you know fantastic play. Um, but he has to stay healthy. I mean, like he he's missed practice before, you know, already he's missed OTAs at times from what I can tell with the reports, you know, you just got to stay healthy. Cause like, that's the biggest thing, right? Like if you have a corner, like the Bengals showed this, if you have a cornerback room full of like three or four guys who all stay on the field and they're all average, you can be pretty damn good, you know? And if you have and the Vikings have shown this, if you have a corner who's amazing sometimes and terrible other times, it's hard to win that way. And terrible, I mean, like, injury-wise. Like, if you look at Xavier Rhodes, was, like, one of the best players in football for a large stretch of his career. And then there were other times where either ineffectiveness at the beginning of his career or injury uh, at the end, like, they could, he couldn't play. And, and, and so I think with, with Booth, you really need a guy – you need him to stay healthy, right? Like, his first – like, if he started 17 NFL games, he would play more snaps in that season than he played at Clemson total. So that that is a, a huge projection, right? And that I think is why, you know, this year expectations should be relatively mod- modest. I know, um, you know, when you look at the Rams, you know, I was somebody who was, you know, relatively skeptical of the Rams, you know, sort of stars and scrubs approach. But one big ingredient to that was their ability to stay healthy. Uh, you know, one of their analysts, you know, Sarah Bailey's really. That's what one. That's what basically she focuses on is all like the player physical data and you know how many steps they're taking in a day and like how how much you know stress and strain they put on their body and you know that team you know they had some injuries but you look at that team over the past five or six years they've really had an edge over the NFL in terms of staying healthy. Can Kevin O'Connell bring some of those principles over here so the guys like Andrew Booth can you know be better than you know if they went to an average NFL team with an average sort of approach to keeping players healthy, it might not be as good. Like, I think that that's the gamble the Vikings are making here. Um, with Scene, I think Scene's just got to – Scene's got to win the starting spot. You don't get picked in the first round and then get beat out by a second-year player who is a mid-round pick. Um, if he can win that starting spot, then I think, you know, and play all 17 games and start all 17 games and, you know, safety plays really hard to, like, discern, especially – when he's going to be more of that, the Anthony Harris to the, to the Harrison Smith. But if he could just play every game, I think that that's probably good expectations for this year. Miles, same boat there for you. Yeah, I think all what the first, what four picks the Vikings had, they should all have some sort of contribution this year. Uh, At least Mm -hmm. that's the hope. Like I, like, like Eric said, I think scene should win that job, but I do think we should see all three safeties play quite a bit this season which is which isn't a bad thing that should help um help the defense the defense significantly and then um I think we touched on you know uh, Andrew Booth um again if he can if he can stay healthy I think that's that's huge for this defense because they didn't they don't have Cam Dantzler because obviously with the you know Jeff Gladney situation before obviously the the tragic tragic death but like 
obviously that situation, um, you know, you're hoping he would take a step and then obviously his off, off the field stuff happened. And the Vikings never really addressed the cornerback position last off season once they released Jeff Gladney. And so they obviously, I know they brought in, um, uh, how am I drawing a blank? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they brought in Peterson and Breland, but, but those Breland, are not, Breland's those are young. not real long-term. Right. They're not exactly. They're not. They're not long-term plays. They're not guys that you're like. They're just one. They're like, obviously Patrick Peterson's back, but that's because of necessity. That's because they didn't address anything last offseason. Um, and so, you know, you hope with Booth that he can play it. You know, a solid role and and just be a, a just be decent and and show prog- uh, and show obviously obvious flashes and things. And then then Ed Ingram, I, t- I touched on before. You kind of hope he can win, win that right guard job. If not right out of camp then at least you know you know a few games down the road because Jesse Davis isn't a world beater he's nothing nothing special so you know if you you draft a guy in the second round in an in interior offensive line you expect that guy to be good early so um, and then a Caleb Evans again early like I said earlier that's more depth that's that's a guy that should he should be your two in your two deep at some point because the Vikings don't really have anybody else they have Chris Boyd they have uh and then Shannon Sullivan's the nickel so he's kind of his own his own island but they don't really have any other true depth players. You know, they brought in Perry Nickerson, Nate Harrison, but like Harrison Hand, none of those guys are, are anything to write home about. So Caleb Evans has a lot of opportunity to solidify that role as like the fourth, you know, fourth cornerback on this team. He's definitely a fan favorite. Fan. Evan. Yeah. And I know a lot of fans are, are, are really high on him. Um, well, I, I, I think that's fair. So while I have Eric on, I, I, I mean, I'd be remiss if I, I didn't, talk more about Kirk Cousins. I, I know that uh, he kind of has, well, he, he lives in people's heads on, on Twitter when it comes to, to Kirk Cousins and the, the realistic takes he kind of has. But I want to I pose a question to you here, Eric, and it's, um, I mean, it, it's, it's can Kirk Cousins change the narrative of what his whole career has been this season? Um, I, I know it's, it's training camp and we're getting a lot of buzzwords around here, but he's, it, we've seen some, some improvisation at, at training camp. He's had some nice throws. C- Dalvin Cook's been on record saying that, um, you know, he's seen a change in Kirk since Kevin O'Connell's come around. Uh, you know, everyone's buying in. So, so what can Kirk do this season to change the narrative? Well, I mean, for the Vi- for Vikings fans, he's got to he's probably got to take this team to an NFC Championship game or a Super Bowl for these for the first signing to make any sense, right? Like, you know, four years in, you have one playoff appearance, you have zero division titles, you, you know, all these things. And I know that you know, win you know, winning is, has a lot more to do with the quarterback than it has than you know than just the quarterback, but quarterback is the most influential aspect of winning games in football. So he, he bears a decent amount of responsibility for that. Um, you know, the quarterback contract comes with, you know, all the second order effects, et cetera, et cetera. So to end just, you know, and, and, and th- these things have been litigated, these things have been litigated over and over and over again. And ultimately people who were bearish on the Vikings signing Kirk in the first place, and then extending him in the second place have been proven right. Um, be that as it may, you can still win with him at quarterback. Like I, I think that the hardest part is for a guy like Cousins, he's going to probably his highest chance of having success is very clearly being put on a Super Bowl caliber team 
a la what happened in 18, but also what happened to Matthew Stafford. I think Stafford's a very comparable quarterback to Cousins, and Stafford won a Super Bowl. Now, the Lions could never build a Super Bowl got- team around him. Like They could put him on a Super Bowl team and win. I, I have a similar view of Cousins. I think Cousins could win a Super Bowl. Like, let's say they would have traded him to Tampa Bay this year or something like that. Like, he could have won a Super Bowl. I think it's hard to build around him the way that they're trying to. So, but he can silence doubters by taking this team deep into the playoffs. And, um, you know, in an NFC where, I mean, you look at it, you know, we talk about Green Bay. They have their flaws, but I think they're elite. L.A. has their flaws, but I think that they're elite. Tampa Bay, who's facing some injuries. Dallas. Like, those four teams are clearly better than the Vikings. From there, you know, San Francisco, Philly, I think are better than the Vikings, but not by that much. And then you're talking about the Vikings are next up, right? Like, the Vikings are basically, you know, team number. You know, you have New Orleans, you have Arizona, you have, uh, you know, that's kind of it, right, with Minnesota right there. So, they can make it, and if they make it, they're not going to be in a situation where, you know, I remember as a Chiefs fan, like, you know, every single game that the Chiefs went into the playoffs with Alex Smith, they had the worst quarterback. So no shit they lost all their playoff games because it's Alex Smith versus Tom Brady. It's Alex Smith versus Big Ben. The one time Alex Smith won a playoff game for the Chiefs, they were facing Brian Hoyer. Like, it's not. It's, sometimes it's not that hard, you know, to, to sort of handicap these things. So if they get in the playoffs and it's, you know, Kirk Cousins off a really good season against Dak Prescott. They might not be favored, but I like their chances. If it's Kirk Cousins against Kyler Murray, they might not be favored, but I like their chances. If it's Kirk Cousins versus Trey Lance, they might not be favored, but I like their chances. So they have a chance there. Now, can he fundamentally change who he is? My bet is on no. Like, you know, we talk about this with like, you know, all kinds of things. You can explain away any one thing about Cousins. You can explain away the Justin Jefferson wanted me to come work out and I had family stuff. You can explain that away. It's a very reasonable excuse. You can explain away the fact that Mike Zimmer hated his guts from the moment that he met him and he never it never got better. And, you know, Kirk rarely made an effort until the last year when, you know, that he finally wanted to meet face-to-face with the guy once a week. You can explain that away. You can explain away any, every every single micro thing about the quarterback, but the collection of these things is... Okay, I got to address this comment by Kyle Bland. You say this, <laughs> that we have to stop collecti- collectively talking about quarterback versus quarterback. I, 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 would, I would suggest that, you know, if you look at, like, the... You know, you look at the... Stati- like, the winningest quarterbacks in NFL history are all the best quarterbacks. Like let's, you know, let's stop pretending that this game is, is more complicated than that. It is more complicated than that, but ultimately it's who you're, it's who you face. It, the quarterback position, it drives everything. It's why, you know, Manning, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls, it's either quarterbacks on a rookie deal, which we'll talk about, or, or it's the very, very elite type of players. It's Brady, it's Mahomes, it's Manning, it's, you know, all those players. So it is almost entirely about the quarterback. Everything else is a rounding error at that point. Um, but to the point about Cousins, like, can he change fundamentally? No, I don't think so. I think he is who he is. Miles described him as a businessman. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Fame businessman. Is he Oh, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl when you catch all the breaks? I think so. Um, 
the question then becomes is like, like how likely are they to catch all the breaks? And I think this year, the way that everything is lined up for them, schedule-wise, NFC-wise, their chances of catching all the breaks are slightly higher than most years. So you're telling me <laughs> that the Vikings could make a deep playoff run. Miles is already rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my thing is we Kirk's been been a starting quarterback what eight nine years now, and his teams have gone to the playoffs twice in the, in that time period, and that's fine. I'm not like that is what it is. But at what point do we stop? Like at this point, it should be it should be NFC Championship, Super Bowl, or or like, what are we doing? Like, I, I'm just I'm sick of having to give excuse after excuse after excuse for not just Kirk, but like the teams that Kirk are are like leading. That's all. That's like my biggest issue is like there's always some minor excuse. The right guard was the issue. the The offensive coordinator was the problem, but like the the head coach became the problem. Like I don't. I'm just I'm just sick of all the excuses at this point. Like just win like all that's all we care about that's all we want to see like i i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna nitpick Kirk cousins if he's throwing 220 yards uh two touchdowns and an interception if the team's fucking winning i like i couldn't care less about his stats i know people love the fucking stats but like i don't care about the stats i want wins if the i want the well, stats to lead to wins but they're not leading to wins not- so stop stop yeah yeah, and 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 the quarterback, who you choose to be your quarterback, is part of is part of it's part of everything. So Kyle's over here. He says they also had better surroundings. The Rams are the number one D. They did not have the number one defense last year. Uh, by the way, they were top ten. They were number one the previous year. And funny because their quarterback wasn't quite as good. They bowed out in the second round of the playoffs. Funny how that happens. But also, and again, this is part of the whole process of you can throw, you can mortgage the future and put a guy like Stafford on your on an already good team and win, right? But if you want to, like, if if you want to build around a quarterback, he's probably got to be better than Cousins. He's probably got to be better than Stafford. He's probably got to be better than Derek Carr. He's probably got to be better than Ryan Tannehill. If you put Tannehill on an already good Titans team, then he can take them to the AFC Championship game. But funny, that team has gotten worse basically every year since then because they had to pay Tannehill all the money. And this gets back to the whole thing about the support. The support is part of the quarterback. When you pay the quarterback all that money, right. you can't. You have to make decisions that are, compens- or, you know, that, that are compromised by the quarterback's contract. Now, he, you can push money around and there are some pockets, like you know, there are some years where his cap hit isn't quite as much. There are some years where his cap hits more. But – the contract is big. Like we're not going to sit here and and say that like that has an influence things. Instead of being able to sign a real center, they had to draft one in Garrett Bradbury, and that's just a lower chance of success, right? Like the Vikings have still never signed a market level offensive free agent since Cousins was the quarterback, right? And I'm not talking about Tajay Sharp or Chris Reed or bullshit <laughs> like that. I'm saying they have not signed a market. They have not signed a Joe Tooney. They have not signed a Mitchell Schwartz. They have not signed a wide receiver, a third wide receiver to go to this team. They have not signed an outside free agent to a market level deal since Kirk Cousins became the quarterback. And that is, you know, and and the the, the most expensive contract they've given out to an outside free agent period were two nose tackles. 
Tomlinson at two years, 22 mil, and Michael Pierce at three years, 27. You can kind of use the Darius Smith deal. It's kind of a little bit, you know, like, but it's effectively a one-year deal. When you have a quarterback like Cousins, the lack of support is part of the equation. You cannot divorce him. him, And again, we're, we're not blaming him. We're saying his contract yields a reality that you have to live in and if he can't overcome that reality that is partially his fault because of of of, of how he's paid every every single super bowl except for one since 2012 has involved a quarterback who was on a rookie contract and when a quarterback is on a rookie contract you can build around right joe burrow right when he's making 10 million a year you can buy an entire secondary in one offseason like the bengals did that that that's and how it goes. Get off and, and then and go get off. And when your offensive line is asked year, you yeah. could buy a whole offensive right. line the next year, right? Instead, when you have a quarterback like Cousins and your and your center sucks, you have to draft a center at eighteen, which is an overdraft, and you have to hope that he performs. And those are bad gambles. And you know what? Yes, but that Kyle, per- they, Kyle, they, Kyle, they extended those players old, older when they like like Thielen should never have gotten an additional extension. Hunter, not Hunter. Um, Everson Griffin got an extension. How that make better? That's just all it, those it, extensions did was move money around so that they could be cap compliant. It, it, it didn't make them better. Kyle, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph got a contract extension the year they drafted Irv Smith. Like all these things, like they didn't need to do those things. That's just them trying to run back the same core of players as us. That core, that core continued to get older, and that core has now gotten older, which is why Anthony Barr is no longer on this team. Which is why Everson Griffin is no longer on this team. Um, they got rid of um, uh, how am I missing the nose tackle? Um, um, uh, Linval Joseph. Like those guys are gone because they become dead weight after a certain point because they have to. Like you have to start cutting aging, expensive veterans because you extended those aging, expensive veterans. But then you get yeah, it's not it's not over by the way because no. Quasi gets off Anthony season. Barr, like- Anthony Barr costs. Anthony Barr cost ten million dollars to the Vikings cap this year, all so that they could save two point nine million last year. Like, yeah, all those types of things those, that those Kevin was doing. Those extensions were not like good things. They were extensions to move money into future years so they could be cap compliant because of the you know the issues that they had. You know, they they had to be cap compliant just to fill a roster out with real NFL Joe players and. and Yes, that's the point, Kyle. But when you when you actually when you so here's I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of a secret. One day Adam Thielen's gonna suck, and the fact that the fact that the Vikings had to extend him, you know, into future years to the point where if you look at Adam Thielen, like that dude is going to be on the team. That dude is. I mean, he has a 13 million dollar dead cap charge if they cut him next year. That means if he falls off a cliff, he's still going to be on this roster. And then you're going to come back and be like, oh, Adam Thielen declined. Yes, and you chose out of your own free will to extend the quarterback and to and to push the money back on Thielen so that you could sign a guy like Darius Smith. And again, those are mis- those, again, those are all connected. These things are not independent. And again, we're not blaming Kirk personally, but the contract is the reason why the, the roster doesn't have that much flexibility. And, you know, to Quesi's credit, when they, when they, the ownership and him decided to at least like compete, I think that he put some of the things in place 
that at least give them a chance to compete this year, bleed out a little bit next year, and then eventually move on, at, you know, possibly at the quarterback position. But all of these things, all of these things are connected to each other. You cannot absolve Kirk Cousins. Like when Kirk went on the team, they were elite. 2018, he mm-hmm. was plopped onto an elite team. And while that that talent was prime and ready for a Super Bowl, he did not perform. And then as they as as he got better, and we've all said this, he's gotten better, the rest of the roster atrophied because that's what players do when they get older. And the problem was, is he missed the window. And now that he's pretty damn good, the rest of the roster sucks. And 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 that's oh, why Zimmer oh. and Spielman are fired. The contracts, the contracts, the high-end contracts made the draft that much more important to hit yes. early. You had to hit – the Vikings had to hit on – I'm just – I'm not saying he, he was a hit, but they had to hit on a Garrett Bradbury from day one. They had to hit on Brian O'Neill. They had to hit on Mike Hughes. They had to hit on these dra- early draft picks, which they ended up not hitting on, but because they had to. It's – a good teams don't have to hit on early early round draft picks to be successful. The Vikings weren't put themselves into situations where they needed those rookies to be successful for them to be successful. That in itself is a problem. The draft the draft cannot be a place where you're trying to fill needs. That and and when your roster when you when you are like look, the draft is where you find value. The draft is where you find edge players. The draft is where you find wide receivers. The draft is where you find corners. And the draft is where you find, you know, tackles. Like, and the Vikings, look, you can talk about the poor draft record. Darishaw's a pretty damn good tackle. Uh, O'Neal's a pretty damn good tackle. Uh, Jefferson's a pretty damn good wide receiver. And Dantzler has a chance to be a pretty good corner. We, You act like you're supposed to, that he was supposed to hit on every single freaking pick. They've hit on picks. The right. problem is if they right. don't have the money to supplement a roster that has holes, right? When Kansas City blew a Super Bowl because they had no linemen, they were able to go out and get Joe Tooney, right, to supplement that. They were able to go trade for Orlando Brown, and they were able to let Jesus take the wheel on the other five offensive line, three offensive line positions because their quarterback's freaking good and can overcome it. He doesn't need a perfect offensive line to be a good quarterback. Right. I mean, you look at this. So I talk about Kansas City, Kansas City's 2018 draft. Let's look at this for a second. We have Breland Speaks, Derek Nottie, Dorian O'Daniel, Armand, Armani Watts, Tremont Smith, Khalil McKenzie. <laughs> Two of those players are still in the league and none start. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl the next year. The next year. It's about who the quarterback is. And it's about the quarterback contract and whether he can overcome it. That is how this thing works. We want to get further into – I mean, Brett Beach had a great draft this year. The next year, McCole Hardman, an okay player. Juan Thornhill, an okay player. Kylan Saunders, Rashawn Fenton, Darwin Thompson, Nick Allegretti. They win a Super Bowl that year despite basically drafting one-and-a-half starters in, in two drafts. One-and-a-half starters Jarell, in two drafts. They posted two FC title games, won a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's exactly it though like they the ownership ownership wanted ownership got talked in the idea that it was only rick spielman and, and mike zimmer's fault point blank period and so they said we want to see what things are like without those guys bring in the young offensive offensive head coach um and and see how he does with kirk cousins see how he does with justin jefferson see how he does revamping this this roster and, so, and with, with crazy and I, I don't even – I'm not even, like, upset with the fact that they decided to run it back 
it's that they've con- they had to continue to push older veteran money down the road to make it happen, even to make the the, the roster they currently have happen. And they d- like I know people think that they have ten million dollars of like of cap space right now. That that's not effective cap space. That money is not something that they can just go out and spend another six, five, six, seven million dollars to go add to the roster. That money is for in um, roster roster bonuses. That money is for IR. That money is for pra- practice squad. That money is to get you through the rest of the season. That money isn't like money that you can use to go add to add to to add depth like a center. The Vikings wanted to try to go sign a JC Treader or a, I don't even know who else who is out there, but like they don't have the money to do that. And so because Garrett Bradbury isn't any good, so the the tough part there is like you, you kind of want to run it back. You want to see if this team can be good, but all all they're doing is they're they're buying time. But I don't really know what they're buying time for, other than just to see if the young guys can can progress, and then hopefully they can re revamp that entire roster around some of their core players like a Jefferson, you know, and then obviously some of the young the young guys that they've they've recently drafted. Kyle, my brother in Christ, Buffalo is not going to be in the same boot boat. Josh Allen is like twice no. the quarterback that Kirk is. Like, let, well, we got to stop and, this well, kind of stuff. And well, just like, talk, just talk about, talk about the contracts real quick, Eric. Like Patrick Mahomes and jo- Josh Allen, and they're yeah. unprecedented. They sign long term deals. Those long term deals mean that you can create flexibility and plan Correct. for long longer around the cap. The Vikings with with Kirk Cousins on two, three, one year extensions. They don't get to plan for the future because they don't know what Kirk Cousins' money is going to look like in, in a year or two years or three years because all they've been doing is having to re-up him every year or two because they yeah. had to. That's the only way they've well, been I think this is something that no one really right this is something that no one really yeah. no one really looked at when um they looked at Cousins initially. I think we all just like were sticker shocked on him. Um but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, take another a comparable quarterback. So, you know. Let's look at Derek Carr. When Derek Carr signed his deal, right. his deal was uh, about five years. And, you know, you're talking about in that, like, sort of $22 million range, right? Um, when you have five years to let the whole thing bleed out, by the last part of the deal, you are a value. Or and, and you have two options. Yeah. Either your quarterback rearranges money, right? So there are some years, so there are – a bunch of different cap tricks that people use. One of them is you can take your um, your if you know the guy's going to be on the roster, you can take their uh, P five salary and you can make it in, convert it into a signing bonus and split the cost over five years or or less. And if you do that, then obviously you're piling years onto the back. This is what they're doing to some of the Vikings deals. And by the end of the deal, then the guy is sort of always making his money. But if you don't have to do that, and this is one of the things where we talk about Kansas City. The, the Chiefs didn't have to convert Patrick Mahomes' money this year because they they were they right. were conscious right. about the cap. They ate it, and now, like that's and perfect. They right? and, and they, they moved Tyreek Hill. They ate they ate the cap time. charge this year. Like people think about the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. The Jimmy Garoppolo deal was a huge deal, but he took almost all the money early, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, so then when later on in the deal, he was actually a de- decent value because his cap charges weren't high when you and and again we're not blaming Kirk Kirk is a first ballot hall of fame businessman in the NFL this is a smart thing for the quarterback to do but when you're on just two-year deals there is not that flexibility other than what Quasey did with his deal now which is they they put a 12.5 million dollar 
uh, void year on the deal. So they did spread it out some, but you're paying $12.5 million not to play for you in 2024. But and when you, you don't have a quarterback, you can't spread out the cost. Do that too. Right. And they need, they, yeah. need, they need Kirk's permission to even do that. So, and Kirk had never agreed to that before because we know that the Vikings had tried to do that with Kirk before. I, I think the only reason Kirk agreed to it now is because he knows that he's kind of toward the end of, of getting those long, those, those fully guaranteed deals. And so this is, this might be Kirk's last fully guaranteed deal, even if it's just a one year extension. So I think Kirk decided to take it and jump at it. And so we'll, we'll see how that goes beyond this year. But Kyle, Kyle, you'd mentioned that like the Vikings should have filled the holes first before they signed Kirk. They did. Eric mentioned 2018. I know the, the, what was it? The left guard, the right, whenever one of the guards sucked, but overall that roster was elite. That, that roster was, was coming off an MC championship and they had guys coming into their, in their primes and Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. The reason they signed. I mean, if that offense could support Case Keenum, it could support Kirk Cousins. What are we doing here? Right. Right. It's just like, that's, that's exactly the thing. Right. So it's like you, you, you had it. So the, but now that they've had Kirk, it's been harder to revamp the roster around Kirk because his money has made that, made it that much harder. So that, that's the holes are that much more unpredictable as well. So right. again, I take this back to Kansas City. Kansas City had Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, two great tackles. They both sustained basically career and or Chiefs ending injuries in one season. So they got to do some things around the cap, but ultimately it leans on the quarterback. You just like when your quarterback is paid a lot of money, they have to cover up for holes on the right. team. And I think all, I think most Vikings fans would be realistic and say Kirk is a is a very good quarterback that has difficulty overcoming any roster level adversity. And the the hard the sticky wicket about this team is that his contract is is one of the big reasons why they have roster level you know adversity. And that doesn't make him a bad quarterback. That doesn't make him a bad guy. It just means when we're looking at the Vikings, we uh, my Bull case on the Vikings is look if everything goes right they could be pretty damn good if anything goes wrong you know all bets are off as we've seen the last few years. So Kyle, they I'm, tried I'm, they tried to upgrade real, just one my last thing they tried to upgrade the O line <laughs> they drafted they've drafted O linemen in the first and second round like you look at the the entire Vikings O line right now first round pick first round pick second round pick second round pick four of the five starters are first or second round picks so that. The hard part there is when you have to rely on the on the on the draft to improve in an area, that's when you your margin for error becomes razor thin. And of course we know the Vikings didn't hit on all of those picks. And so that that in itself becomes a really tough situation for <laughs> for your roster building. But I bet you if they had fifteen million guaranteed for you know per year for Joe Tooney, he would have worked out. That's the whole deal. Right. It's like Right. The draft picks are all 50-50 propositions, and we've seen it play out. O'Neal's wonderful. Darashaw, I think, has all the ingredients to be great. Cleveland's like kind of, you know, he's whatever. Wyatt Davis, not great. All this stuff. But you're basically, you're batting 500 at all those positions. When you sign Joe Tooney, you're batting eight. You're batting eight 800, right? It just costs more. And you can't, the Vikings have not been able to participate in those markets because the, the the situation they were in from the quarterback standpoint and and the, and you know and this as this is not Quasey's fault this is not Kirk's fault but it was also Spielman 
continued to push contracts down the road. And then it became not only a Kirk problem, but a Kirk and Harrison Smith problem, a Kirk and Kyle Rudolph problem, a Kirk and, and Adam Thielen problem. Uh, Kyle, the Chiefs in 2020 went 14-2, and two, and 60% of their offensive linemen were injured the whole season. I, 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 you know, look at the rest of the league. Look at the rest of the league. Tom Brady's left and tackles, Trent Brown. Well, Trent Brown. The teams you're talking, the teams you're talking about, all made it to the Super Bowl. You, like the Vikings haven't sniffed yeah, the Super yeah. Bowl since since that, so a, 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 the 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 big example he wants to use against this argument is the team lost the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but this team can't even make the Vikings can't even make the playoffs. And you're you're saying that a bad offensive line cost a team a Super Bowl. They made it to the Super Bowl, like, and they still could have. They almost won the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, yeah, I, I think that's because that, they they drafted Kirk or signed Kirk. Yeah, why would why would you why would you draft a quarterback in the first round? Like, look at like the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Jordan Love's they have to make a fifth year option decision on Jordan Love, and he hasn't played. Like, you know. And if you draft a quarter, as we know with Kellen Mond, if you draft a quarterback after round two, it's it's basically a long shot. So what are you what are you even doing there? I I think that I've I've gotten everything I've wanted and more out of this conversation about Kirk Cousins. But I gotta say before I before I wrap this show, everything that you guys have laid out there in terms of of, of quarterbacks and roster building and how how having a rookie quarterback contract is so important to to advancing in the in the playoffs makes me very scared as an nfc north team to kind of watch what the lions are doing because i think they are doing it right they are filling all these holes on their team they're they're fine riding it out with jared goff right now but the second they draft that 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 rookie quarterback that actually hits um i think we might be in a little bit of trouble here in Minnesota. With that being said, um, I do want to get one more thing from both of you, and then we can wrap. Let me let me game. answer Drell, Drell's question real quick. They were they, okay. yes, they were always they were always keeping the Vikings are always going to keep Kirk. I think Quate, like I think Eric mentioned, Quazy got the best out of the situation if they were going to have to keep Kirk by giving him a one year extension. I think that was the best case that they could do um, out of the situation. But I think yes, they were always going to keep Kirk. It sounds like. Um, we've talked about the Vikings this season overall. We talked about whether or not Kirk can change the narrative. Can they win the NFC North? You both have said yes, if circumstances are, you know, kind of perfect. But, uh, I want to go back to one of the first comments we got tonight. Um, and Eric even tweeted about it, but Eric last, last preseason, you nailed the Vikings record. So I want to see if you can make it two for two here. Have you made an official record prediction on them? And if not, can you make it here tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the pandemic year, I said they would be 6-10. and 10. Uh, they, they finished 7-9, and nine, so they, they did over overcome that last that, that 2020 year. Um, I, I'm going to go with what the, this, the average simulation says. I think they're 9-8. and eight. Uh, I think that they're a little bit better than a coin flip to make the playoffs. Um. You know, I the the best bet on the board if you're going to bet the Vikings is Kevin O'Connell at twenty to one to win Coach of the Year on DraftKings. If you want to go there, 
I, I, I personally believe I, you know, Jefferson and Cousins and Cook have always had great statistics. I think if this team is really good, they're not going to have better statistics than they've had before. So the 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 not the blame, the credit is all going to go to Kevin O'Connell, and and I think that that is a, a good bet there. So just one thing before I ask Miles how he thinks the Vikings are going to do. Um, when you say Coach of the Year for Kevin O'Connell, Matt Lafleur didn't even win Coach of the Year in his his rookie year, and he took Green Bay pretty far. Is is that mean that you know? Do you think Kevin O'Connell can really win Coach of the Year? I mean, he'd have to take this team, presumably. Who beat Lafleur? Who, who beat Lafleur that year? Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, wow. I do think it was okay. Aggie that year. Somebody, somebody said that. Somebody, by the way, commented and said it's not about. It's not that I don't look at evidence. It's that I interpret evidence different than you. Um, like. I guess you can live your truth, but like they either make the playoffs or they don't. And so like, that's kind of my, I guess my, my, my view on things. Um, so the year that LaFleur took over the Packers, the Ravens went 14 and two and they got the MVP and the coach of the year in Harbaugh and, and Lamar. Um, but most of the time it's, it's a team that's like 11 and five. So think about like Vrabel, um, Stefanski was 11 and five. And and usually it's with a quarterback who's kind of like a tier below the elite guys. So it's like Mayfield, Tannehill, Cousins. Like the Vikings have all the ingredients to to support a coach of the year, frankly. And and so like that's part of the the, the thesis as well. Like either you're if you're a great team, you either have an MVP candidate quarterback or a coach of the year. And I don't think they they're going to have an MVP candidate quarterback. Okay. Miles, if if you had to uh, have a record for the Vikings this year, a prediction, what would it be? I'll go. I, I like I said earlier. Like I said to start, like nine and eight, ten and seven are like right in my range. So I'm gonna say ten. And, I'm gonna say ten and seven. I think they can win. I think they can win ten games with with the way the NFC is, with the way their schedule is. Obviously, people need to stay healthy, but when you have elite an elite player like yeah. Justin Jefferson, obviously we have a good quarterback in Kirk Cousins, and then you have. You know, hopefully, a really good offensive mind in, in Kevin O'Connell. I want to, I want to, you know, stay positive there because I do think he's going to be really good. But again, I think there'll be growing pain. So I, I, I'll say ten and seven, and I think that. They'll By the way, Kyle asked another. Kyle asked for the first time all time. He asked a reasonable question. He said, "How do you expect O'Connell to win Coach of the Year at nine and eight? My O'Connell winning Coach of the Year is a twenty to one bet. Meaning, I need it to happen. Like, I need, I need it to happen in like." five percent of simulations right so if i expect the vikings to be average nine and eight then the upper five percent of their distribution is like 11 and 7 12 and 5 you know 11 and 6 12 and 5 something like that so it's all about the price i'm not betting even money for o'connell when coach of the year i'm getting 20 a 20 to 1 payout if he wins coach of the year that's the point i there i don't like them to win the super bowl obviously because i think that you know, for one, the coach of the year rarely wins the Super Bowl, but also like it's just I think the comp I think if they win the division, Kevin O'Connell's gonna win coach of the year, and I think they're gonna win the division twenty five percent of the time. And so it's much better than twenty to one. That's all I want to hear. Twenty five percent of the time the Vikings are gonna win the <laughs> NFC North this year. Twenty five percent of the time. <laughs> well, um this was a this was a fantastic show and and Miles, I'm, I'm super stoked that you're on Vikings Happy Hour moving forward here. Eric, we'll have to have you on more. I don't know if in the huddle is 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 going to be a thing this year. Um, so if it's not, 
we'll make sure that you get enough uh, enough FaceTime over here with me, Miles, Ryan, and Dave. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. So thank you both so much. Um, if you haven't yet, uh, make sure to go over to our Climb in the Pocket YouTube channel, like and subscribe. I mentioned last week, but our goal this season is four thousand subscribers. So let's uh, let's boost those numbers. If you know somebody, um, mention our show and let's get those numbers boosted up. For everybody that joined in the chat tonight, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, it was flowing, and and we could not ask for anything more than that. So um, I'll toss it over to Dave here, um, but we'll see you guys all next week. I've got a betting question since I don't do it that often. The whole idea to make money in Vegas is you've got to win more than Vegas does. And Vegas always wins above 50% of the time, so they're guaranteed to make money. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you're betting a long shot, you don't have to win more than 50%. You just have to win more than the price. Okay. And we're being spammed again, of course. Now, if that's the case, when you got in the QB discussion, if QBA is better than QBB, and we look at this a lot, I look at it a lot when I do the preseason or the pregame shows. And generally, the better QB wins the game. Has anybody ran those numbers as to, you know, looking back 10 years or however many years to see when QBA matched up against QBB and A is better than B, how many times A wins over B? It's obviously not going to be 100% of the time. But it depends upon how you measure well, it, it's it, yeah. the The biggest determination, if you want to take any one stat, is the Q, passer rating difference between the quarterbacks. Um, it's not enough to beat the vague. It's not enough to beat the spread. But if you if you know the passer rating differences between the quarterbacks, you can predict the 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 outcome of the game fairly reliably. Um, it's not obviously the most. It's it's the most important variable. It's not the only important variable, but it, it is it is very important. Good to know. Good to know. Also, while we have you here, you are a, I don't know if it's a new author, but at least an author again. Tell us about the book. Yeah. Uh, my my good friend uh, Richard and I are writing a book, Football Analytics and Python and R. If you're interested in, uh, we've released the first six chapters in sort of draft form on the O'Reilly website. Uh, if you are interested in football analytics and you and you want to an introduction into coding and that kind of thing, uh, it's that's for you. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably be done with the book in the next like calendar year or so, and then we'll release it in paperback. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that, and uh, it's just one of another. It's just you know, sort of added to my tab here uh, of things to do over the next few months. Well, that's awesome. Hope it is very successful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Does the New York Times have a, a category for <laughs> data science? No, no. I have I have not written my like football analytics tell all uh, yet, but I, I I think I've at least shown Miles some of the text messages of, of, of folks in the league that uh, that I get that will certainly go into that my my tell all book about <laughs> uh, being an NFL analyst. Well, that should be fun to read. Well, that's great. Now, the rest of the week, the, uh, the next Climbing the Pocket show is 
mine and Darren's with two old bloggers on Saturday. It will be an hour or two earlier than normal this time, and we'll be talking about what happens in camp. Other than that, we had a great week so far. I think the test of the beta went well, with the one exception of remarks, but we'll get that hammered out. Any good word from uh, camp that you've seen, Eric? What do you think of what's happened in Vikings training camp that you've seen that's raised your eyebrow? Uh, for me, um, I, honestly, to me, it was the, the USA Today quote that Quasi had and then maybe some of the, the quotes that came on after. He's certainly learning uh, on the job there. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, uh, that one was interesting. Um, obviously the booth, uh, junior, his emergence has been great. Uh, if he ends up being a, a starting caliber player for this team, that would be really, really huge in, in year one. But as I said, it would be the first time he's played over a thousand snaps total, uh, in, in any season. So it's a little bit of a long shot, but I think it, you know, I think it'd be, uh, you know, a great, a great get for the Vikings. Sounds good. Matt, close her up. That's all we have this week for Vikings Happy Hour. I don't. Dave mentioned his show on Saturday, so uh, we'll, we'll. If you don't catch that show, uh, come back next Monday for the Real Forno Show with Tyler and Dave. But other than that, um, Eric, again, appreciate your time uh, this week, and like I said, we'll get you back here. So, um, Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.